HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by greatbrewers.com, a social media marketing platform dedicated to promoting the world's great brewers and the beers they create. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. I'm Erica Wyatt, host of Let's Get Real, the cooking show about finding, preparing, and eating food. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. It's November 4th, 2014. We've got a great show here at Beer Sessions Radio. Gun Hill Brewing from the Bronx. They won the GABF. We've got some uh, European brewers here. Taste the Rainbow, the festival. A lot of cool things happen in New York City, and it's uh, November 11th, 2014. Beer Sessions Radio is brought to you by GreatBrewers.com, a comprehensive website aimed at bringing the beer community together. And check us out on Twitter, at Beer underscore Sessions. Maggie's tweeting live, and uh, join in, and uh, we'll, we'll give you some surprises later in the show. Some special guests tonight. Um, our good buddy, Yeppy. From Evil Twin and Taurus. How are you, buddy? I'm good. How are you? Good, man. You've been uh, associated with some pretty cool cats lately. I sure have. I'm one of them, I hope. <laughs> and Yep, he's wearing his famous uh, Evil More Jesus t-shirt. Where, where can I get a, a t-shirt from your collection? You can send me an email. Always. Really? Jamie, for you, of course. Really? Nice. <laughs> yeah. All right. And uh, we got some, our good buddies from the Bronx, Gunhill Brewing. Chris Sheehan and Dave Lopez. Congratulations. You guys won a, a silver medal at the GABF? Gold medal. Gold medal. Oh. And uh, for which which beer was that? Our Void of Light. It's a foreign-style stout. So you have some uh, experience with that. I know that when you brewed at Chelsea, you, you also were making a, a yeah, stout that won awards. this is actually my fifth award in the category. In my uh, uh, third gold medal, I won two bronze medals as well. So what, what is it about that beer for you? <clears throat> I mean, you just uh, love that beer? It's a style I'm very fond of, but I guess I kind of have a knack for it as well. Is that what we're drinking right now? No, this is our Nelson's Oatmeal Stout. It's just a classic oatmeal stout made with a combination of rolled oats and malted oats. Well, this is great, man. It's so great to have you guys on the show. BR's here from Shelton Brothers. You guys had the festival out in uh, Los Angeles this year. In Los Angeles this year, uh, Saturday and Sunday, about 70 brewers from around the world, plus California and also the U.S., all right, and we get two English brewers here who are out there. You guys just introduce yourselves. I go and I'm Colin Strong. I'm head brewer at Buxton Brewery from the center of England in Derbyshire. All right. I'm uh, Richard Burhouse. I'm uh, the managing director of Magic Rock Brewing in Yorkshire, England. All right, and we also got from Gunhill. Dave Lopez, uh, one of the two owners of the brewery. All right, so here's our show, and let's talk beer. So let's talk about the Great American Beer Fest. So you guys are up in Gunhill in the Bronx, historical area. And uh, we had, we've had you on before and told your story, but it was a big news when you guys went to GABF. And does everyone know what that is, the Great American Beer Fest? So what's the deal with that? It's, it's all American beers. It is all American beers, but it is now the world's largest beer competition. It's bigger than anything else on the globe. And uh, Dave, did you go out there too? Who, I was out there. Chris and I were out yeah. there. And what did you think about that as an experience, as a new a new brewery owner? I thought it was fantastic. I, I didn't know what to expect, but when I went out there, my mind was blown. So did you guys just submit, or, or you asked, how does, how, how's the process of, of getting into it? 
Uh, we submitted, we pursued it, and uh, it basically is almost kind of a lottery now to try to get in there. They cap you off at this point because so many breweries are trying to get in there. It is prestigious to win, and so lots of new breweries are starting up, and they want to get their hat in the ring. So ultimately, we they only allowed us to enter four beers this year. Chris, what was the first stout you ever made? Because you've been brewing for how many years now? I mean, you're I've one been of our in great the trade. New York City brewers. Going on 24 years now, I've been in the trade. Uh, I the first stout I made professionally was Kinnikinnick Old Scout Stout at the Twenty Tank Brewery in San Francisco. The fir- the second year, actually, the first year I competed at the Great American Beer Festival in 1995, I won an honorable mention back in the day when they handed it out for that stout. And the next year, I won a gold medal in the... uh, That's a sweet-style stout that I uh, made there. But in that same year, I also won a bronze medal for a stout in the foreign-style category, which uh, was called Heart of Darkness. That's great. And, Dave, when you guys started out with Gun Hill, what was the process of finding a brewer? Because, I mean, Chris is a great brewer, and everyone in the community knows him. BR, you you know him from uh, some of the homebrew groups that you're part of. Uh, We, my partner and I, we... When we decided we were going to go ahead with this whole project, we actually put an ad out on probrewer.com, and we had a bunch of hits and a bunch of submissions, and Chris was actually one of the very first that we looked at, and he was the first person that we met with, and you know, quickly after we met with him, my, my partner and I looked at each other and we go, I think that's the guy, um, and we met with a couple other people, but it was pretty apparent that, that Chris was, was the guy we wanted to, to lead up the brewery and the brewing process. All right. What do you guys think? We got some great brewers in this room. What do you guys think of this stout? It's pretty nice, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's a wonderful beer. The um, oatmeal really shines through. It's a, a beer style I'm very, very fond of personally as well. So uh, yeah, congratulations, guys. That's awesome. Yeah, I like it. It's nice and easy drinkable and very smooth and yeah, it's good. Yeah. And what what are some of these? Do you have secret ingredients or are you open to sharing your ingredients? I wouldn't say there's any secret ingredients. It's pretty much straightforward oatmeal stout recipe. Like I said, I use a combination of uh, malted oats and rolled oats. There is a little bit of caramel malt in there. I have some chocolate malt and some black malt in there. Great. And what is it about winning a GABF medal? I mean, is it based on style? I mean, what's you the really do have to brew very specifically to style guidelines, and it's and when you really nail the category is when you get the gold medal. Yeah, yep. Yeah, do you submit to anything like that? I mean, are you considered an American brewer? Uh, I'm actually not sure. Uh, I think I am. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't submitted any beers to any competition. It's just not my thing. Uh, I I don't know. I didn't get around to it, so maybe I will one day. I just. I don't know. It's not something I think too much about, but you yeah. know, it's fun to see you win every year, and it's it's definitely fun to see when new brewers come in and, and beat the the old guys. I like that. So, what are you doing with these guys? You got the English guys here. What 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 what, what, what are what? you doing with them? Uh, I don't know. We're just hanging out. <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> Rich and I have actually been been friends for quite a while, um, and Colin and I met each other for the first time for real um, about a month ago when I was in yeah, uh, yeah. Manchester, um, which is close to Boston, to make a collaboration beer. Um, you know, we just all like to hang out and, and be friends, and I've brewed with both of these guys, and mm. it's fun to have them here. Today we are doing this this rainbow project where we are, you know, showcasing some of the beers that we do together. So they're going over the tourist after the show. They are. They, it, it's already on, but I think we, we, we're we supposed to be there at 7 o'clock, so people can come and, and shake the English men's hands. <laughs> you've, you've got some cool cool brewer, brewers visiting you at tourist, don't you? Last week you had uh, this guy from Prairie, Bre- Prairie Artisan Heath. Yeah, he's, he's also doing his own. He's willows. doing his own new thing called the Willow Ales. Um, yeah, I mean, being a brewer, I have a lot of friends in the brewing community, so it makes it a little bit bit easier to uh, to invite people. You know, they they know who I am and I know who they are, and yeah, it's fun to have them. All. We don't do a lot of events though. I mean, it had, I don't want to do it all the time. It has to make sense. If you do events all the time, people get tired of it, I think. But this one made sense, and I think it's actually the only time all seven rainbow beers are being served in the USA at the same mm-hmm. time. And yeah. it's a very cool project, and it brought 14 great breweries together from Europe. And, you know, it's just a fun fun way to do something different. And BR, uh, which of the brewers, let's just, we might as well jump to that, the rainbow brewers. 
Which of the brewers do you guys represent? And why don't you tell us who they are? Do you know who they all are? Now I have to remember who they are. <laughs> so basically what it was is uh, Ryan from uh, Siren Craft Brewing in England had selected, this is I believe the third year he's doing the Rainbow or the, the collaboration project, and puts a bunch of brewers' names in a hat that he's chosen, picks one from one hat, one from another. Those are going to be the two collaborating. And then they were also, from another hat, chosen a color of the rainbow. And they had to brew a beer inspired by the color of the rainbow. Some are very obvious. Others you have to give some thought to. Uh, some of them we don't know why the beer actually has the uh, the connotation, you know, the, the the connection with the color. Um, but and they're all going to be all the beers are going to be on tonight. Uh, like I said, as Yepa said, this is the only place uh, in the U.S. that all seven will be on together. And I would say I want to say at least one brewer from each of the collaborations is one of ours. Um, please don't make me name them all right now. <laughs> it's been a long weekend. You got, you got what the. The beer siren and Demolin. Yeah, you guys import Demolin. Demolin, right? and we do some siren beers as and well. Yeah, Buxton, Buxton, and Omnipolo. Mm-hmm. You got Magic Rock and Evil Twin, and uh, Partisan and McKellar. Beaver Town and Napa is Napa. Napa beer, beer from Spain. Yeah, yeah. We, and Wild Beer Co. and Tokomoto. Tokomoto from Italy. Yes, and uh, Hawks Head and Lervig. Lervig is from Norway. Yeah, yeah. So you guys, so so uh, Yeppe and uh, Rich, so you guys collaborated on one of these, huh? <clears throat> yes, Look at it, it's red pogonophobia, dry hot Flanders. <clears throat> what does pogonophobia mean, Rich? Uh, it's, it means the fear of beards, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I, I know. At, we we discussed it. We discussed the recipe and and uh, and the idea straight away when you get a red beer is I mean the the classic styles of Flanders red, I guess. So we we thought we'd do that. Obviously, that beer takes a long time to make. We only had ten months, so we t- tried to speed things up a little bit. We did a um, uh, soured the beer in the kettle, uh, ran it off uh, to uh, a number of red wine barrels, and le- left it for secondary for a long time. And uh, and I think the result the result is pretty decent. But um, yeah, you know uh, these sort of things. It, it's creative. It, it was it was uh, a push to do it for for our schedule and for fitting fitting it in with things. But we re- we really enjoyed doing it. You know, and pogonophobia is. Fear of beards. I don't, I don't know why we chose that. Really, I, I talked to, talked to Yepa, and he wanted he wanted something a little bit out of the out of the ordinary. I guess you know, not just magic, evil, evil magic, something like that. It needed to be something more interesting than that. So, you're right, you're he right. has a beard, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm scared beard. of his beard. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> hey Chris, have you have you ever done any crazy collaborations like that? No, not yet. I haven't really been involved in any collaborations. The closest thing has been a number of uh, uh, pro-am beers that I've done, like in my years at Chelsea, uh, with uh, award-winning home brewers uh, taking their recipes and uh, extrapolating off of a home brew recipe and making a full batch beer. Of, like in that case, thirty-barrel system. There are challenges involved, of course, but uh, that's the closest I've done thus far. There's been talk of it. I've talked with. Uh, Chris down at 508 about doing collaborations, and uh, but I just haven't done anything of that but, nature yet. But the, working with homebrewers, that's a big part of the New York beer scene, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's very important to be involved in the homebrewing community. I know there were some years there were some homebrew competitions, and the winners, you would you would brew their beers as yes. a batch. Yep. Yeah, yeah. What about you guys? So in England, we've got, we'll switch over to that. we got uh, Colin. <laughs> His new names, new people. Colin from Buxton and you know, Rich from Magic Rock. So, um, is there a good homebrew scene in 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 the UK? Yeah, it's definitely been improving the last couple of years. Um, I, I think for years it was, it was kind of like a running joke around many breweries that homebrewers. You know, there was always this really. They'd send their uh, their beers off to professional breweries for tastings, and you'd get these terrible sour, gushing, like really badly made beers. But over the last, I guess, sort of five years. The scene has really, really kicked off over there, and it's improved so, so much. You, you start getting beers through from homebrewers that you think that these could easily be commercially made and and very well sold and well looked after. It really has changed a lot over the last few years, and I guess the, I guess the the volume of breweries that have started up in the UK as well has really sort of fed the homebrewing scene as well. Yeah. I, th- I think traditionally it wasn't. You know, it was it was extract. Uh, basically, you know, there were kits in in the local Boots the Chemist or in in the supermarket. It, w- it was homebrew extract kits, and people weren't doing full grain um, brewing. But it seems it seems to be coming on now, and I think it, we're involved in a few competitions with uh, bar groups and 
and local people. And I think that's what it needs. You know, it needs it needs yeah. the respect there. I've just just come up from uh, come over from San Diego and homebrewing made that scene. You know, and mm-hmm. all the all the professional brewers are, are still members of Quaff. You know, the local homebrew group, or they tend to be. And I, I love that sort of integration of creativity and. You know that's what that's where things get get tried out and and uh, the good ones make it the bad ones don't need to it's small batch you know so it's it's good sure man cheers to everybody hey Connell did you guys bring a second beer too as a matter of fact we did our gold medal winning void of light is here all right so it's the void of light that's the foreign export stuff correct okay why do breweries have to name every beer. Why can't it just be Gunhill Foreign Export stuff? Our our two flagship beers are just Gunhill Gold and Gunhill IPA. Yeah. On the other hand, I like like to have fun naming beers at the same uh, time. So, you know, this is an example of of that. You mean as in it's so dark, it's a void of light? Correct. Wow. I got to listen more to the words. (laughs) And Yepi, you're the ultimate namer. I mean. Yeah, I don't name all my beers. My wife does a lot of them, but... Oh, so you should have an expert just to name your beers. I mean, yeah, no, but I just again, I you know, I, it's it's all about having fun, and 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 if you can if you can come up with a fun name and know that it's going to come out in two hundred thousand copies, it's kind of a fascinating thought that two hundred thousand people are going to see this name and think, what the hell is going on? I mean, when we did even more Jesus, it's a long story, and it's a name that's really has has caught on, and a lot of people think it's a weird and fun name and something they they definitely remember you know it, it wasn't because we wanted to make a weird name it just came up and and we decided to call it be that and no i love i love the names and uh for you guys in in england what are the names of your beers uh, most of our, our flagship beers uh at buxton they're all named after local climbing ranges because the the uh, jeff quinn who owns the brewery uh is very very uh he loves climbing spends a lot of time out climbing and uh he yeah the, 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 so oh, like our, our flagship beer is Axe Edge, it's a six point eight percent sort of American style IPA, all American hops. Um, where we do lots of areas with a high tour, a climbing range, and cloud, um, rain shadow, all climbing and walking ranges out in the hills in Derbyshire. So yeah, yeah, the, that, that's kind of the theme of our brewery, really. What about for you, Rich? How do you name your beers? Uh, we I sort of um, obviously the magic rock in in our name comes from uh, the family business imports and wholesales crystals and minerals. It's like a we have a a rock shop and and the brewery was was set up in an outbuilding on that site, um, and and that was the basis of the name. You know, I wanted some proven sort of history in the name if people looked into it, but I didn't want to name the beers after rocks and crystals. You know, I thought that'd be that'd be pretty lame, really. So we we. Uh, it's a tenuous link to the word magic. We have a kind of circus sideshow theme, really. A little sort of Coney Island, I guess, if people know that. But we we, we have Cannonball, our IPA, Human Cannonball, the double IPA. We do a yearly release, triple IPAs, Unhuman Cannonball. And we have these, these sort of themes going on. Not, not all of them are, are circus-based. We have Rapture is a good beer for us. And uh, Highwire, I guess, is circus theme. But I, I'm always on the lookout for a good name. You know, I think... Uh, I think Yepa undersold it a little bit earlier. It is, it's all we have, you know, as, as smaller breweries. We can't spend loads of money on marketing. So the name the name is what's going to make people notice and, and you know, get their intrigue uh, peaked. And, and that's what we do, yeah. So I'm always thinking. Chris, this is great, man. This is the Voidalite, right? Yes. Gunhill Voidalite Foreign Expert Stout. Thank you. I also would like to mention to my uh, British uh, compatriots here that it was a British band that inspired the name for this beer. Oh, really? Yeah, it's a band called Winter Filth, a black metal band from England. Okay. And uh, the name of this one of their songs is Void of Light. Right. And I saw that, I'm like, what a great name for a song. I'm Dude, you're far beer. out, man. Yeah. All right. <laughs> hey, we have to take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. So you like good beer. Whether you're a craft beer pro or just had your first sip of an IPA, GreatBrewers.com is your number one beer resource on the internet. GreatBrewers.com bridges the gap between the world's great brewers and the consumers who enjoy their products. With so much information and misinformation out there, GreatBrewers.com focuses on education and leaves no stone unturned. Take the Great Beer Test on their website and browse through an extensive product catalog. Download their mobile beer cloud app 
which includes a GPS beer finder, a beer sommelier, and descriptions for over 5,000 different brews. What are you waiting for? Back up that passion for craft beer with some solid information and education. Visit greatbrewers.com today. Hey, 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 welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Right here at Roberta's in Bushwick, a great place. We're all going to have a pizza afterwards. So if you're ever out here on a Tuesday night around 6 o'clock, look for the Beer Sessions Radio crew. We've got most of the, the cast and crew hanging out having pizzas and beers. And uh, usually you can taste some of the beers that we had on air, which is one of the coolest things about recording out here. But, um, you know, Jack, I want you to tell me, who was that band that just played? Because you got such great music all the time. What was that oh, band? Thanks, man. That's, that's a band called Hard Bodies, one of the chefs here at Roberta's. It's his band. So Chef Eric. That's cool stuff. So Hard Jack, Bodies. Jack Inslee's always spinning great tunes for us in between. And I don't have to think about that stuff because I don't really know much about music. What about music and beer? You're talking about heavy black metal inspired your, your, your beer, Chris. Who else here is inspired by music when, when they make a beer or label? You, are you into music yet? I am. I mean, I don't play music, but I'm definitely into it. And I have also named, uh, I have a beer called Ashtray Heart, which is uh, smoked Love porter, that. and it's named after a White Stripes song. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> and Chris, have you ever named any other beers after music songs or anything? Uh, currently, uh, no, I haven't really uh, done that, but I'm still always drawing inspiration from the music I listen to. Yeah, and what about you guys in England? We never directly named a beer after a song, but we do. Uh, we listen to a lot of sort of Pantera and stuff like heavy thrash metal around the brewery. It's kind of our thing. So, uh, well, it's kind of my thing. I think the rest of the brew team got a bit knacked off for me to <laughs> making them listen to it all the time. But uh, and what about yeah. you, Rich? Yeah, I mean, we're we're big fans of the Manchester scene and Factory Records, really. And I guess the lo- the logo was inspired by that. You know, I grew up listening to Joy Division. New Order, all those guys, but I mean, more specifically, we have our sour beer is called Circus of Sour. I mean, that was like a happy coincidence, really. I'm not a massive Donovan fan, but I realised, yeah, that's a Donovan record. So, I don't, that's like he didn't inspire the name of it, but what a cool name for a beer, I thought. All right, hey, we, we got a special calling guest. So, there's a dude out there named Chris Bradley. He's got Destination Beer TV show, which is a TV show about beer. And uh, Chris, thanks for calling in. We've got a very cool show right now, but you're welcome to join us. Um, yeah, how you doing, man? Be there live. Sounds like you're having a good time. Can you, are you listening to the show? I am listening to the show. Pizza and beer yeah. and radio, and I mean, it's a good combination. So, uh, what breweries will you be sh- uh, shooting your TV show at? Well, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, I am drinking uh, one of your local brews and a uh, brewery that will be featured on our first season. Brooklyn Brewery uh, is going to be a part of uh, what we're doing. Um, we've got 11 breweries lined up right now besides Brooklyn. Uh, we've got 21st Amendment out in San Francisco. We have Deschutes in uh, Bend, Oregon, Carbach in Houston, NOLA in New Orleans, Cigar City in St. Pete, Nebraska Brewing Company, Boulevard, New Glarus, uh, Yingling, and we're working on some details with a few others. Great, man. And where, where can we see your show? Oh, we don't have a deal lined out yet for TV. So at the moment, our plan is to put it on our YouTube channel and make it easy for everybody to see. Uh, so uh, right now, we're, we're still uh, doing some fundraising, trying to, uh, to pay for the production. We uh, started a crowdfunding campaign a few weeks ago and uh, talking to some local advertisers, some, or actually some big advertisers, uh, trying to put the money together to uh, fund the show, and then once we have, uh, once we've shot the episodes and produced them, we we plan to 
start putting them out there for the public uh, in February with new spring programming. Awesome. Chris, that's awesome. I'll tell you what. Hang in there and listen to the show with us. Uh, we've got some special guests in from England, so we're going to talk more with them now, okay? So uh, All right. just hang in. If you want to join in with some questions, you can. But uh, thanks for joining us, okay? Absolutely. All right, buddy. Okay, so that's cool. We got we got guys all over the country now making uh, beer TV shows and films. There's a guy named uh, Michael Ferguson. I don't know if you know him, Chris. He's he's a he's a master yeah. brewer, and uh, he's uh, got a show out called Beer Geek TV. So there's a lot more stuff going on uh, in beer media. But what fuels it all is what you guys are doing. So um, I'd like now to talk more about the, about the English guys. We, you know, let's tell us a little more. So I'd like to know. Tell me where you're from in England, and and you know some other brewers that you might know because we know, we've met we've interviewed guys from uh, Thornbridge, you know Sam Smith, Bruce Williams from the Williams Brothers, and uh, the Andrew from Wild Ale Company. But but tell us more about the actual region you're in, and and something like the, the town and the names and you know yeah the Buxton, beers that you drink on a regular basis. Yeah, Buxton Brewery's based in well in Buxton, which is like just sort of an hour outside Manchester. It's in the county of Derbyshire and. So right in the middle of England, um, we're based very near sort of a lot of those guys actually. So we, we, the guys at Thornbridge, very good friends of ours. Um, uh, the scene over there is really really tight at the moment. You know, everyone kind of gets on pretty well. Um, we've we, there's quite a good collaboration scene as well, and the, this was part of the the whole thing that sort of brought the the Rainbow Collaboration series together was the fact that. Um, we, we were all like quite chummy. I mean, uh, ourselves and Magic Rock are not that far apart at all. We're probably about an hour apart from each other, and we myself and Richard know each other for years. So, you know, we'll be collaborating this year. And uh, like, there's, there's guys like right across the scene who we, we we like to hang out with. We all we all really get on a lot. So uh, yeah, that's no, really cool. Um, everyone's working together and sort of aiming at the similar goals. So, so it's like it's like Yorkshire area. Uh, yeah, yeah, but we're we're Manchester. just we're just south of Yorkshire, about an hour right side of Manchester. So yeah, yeah, they're, they're kind of the big cities that people. Well, Manchester's the big city that people would know up around there. Um, so that's like a good a good some brewing history up there, right? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. York, we're, Yorkshire we're squares kind of, and things. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. The, sort of. There's a lot of very very traditional uh, brewing goes on around Manchester and Yorkshire and um, uh, throughout all of that area um you know the, the big 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 history of family breweries um who who are kind of the the largest part of the brewing market up there um but we're kind of trying to do something a little bit new rather than sort of emulate exactly what they've done all the time and i, I guess we're kind of in some ways doing more sort of recently american inspired stuff so we're doing like a lot of big ipas and imperial stouts and but still trying to trying to keep sort of a, a traditional um touch on so yeah, we're, we're we're doing a lot of new stuff at the moment as well. So yeah, it's really cool. All right, Chris, have have you do you know a lot about English beer history? Uh, I know a fair amount about uh, English beer history, uh, but a curiosity of my own is: Do you have difficulty acquiring the American hops when you're brewing the American style IPAs and stuff? It's it's tricky, but it's not the easiest thing in the world at the moment. Obviously, we're dealing sort of through uh, secondary brokers. So obviously you've got to kind of keep backtracking and contracts for most people at the moment are kind of booked almost three years ahead now. It's, right. Uh, yeah. The reason I ask is brewers here are having a hard time getting well, hops. Yes. <laughs> we have the same with uh, we use a lot of uh, hops from New Zealand and Australia as well, and I have friends out uh, in, in New Zealand and. When I phone them, going, oh, we pay so much for New Zealand hops, and you, you must be able to like get them. Obviously, we're the pro- problem we have is that you guys are soaking them all up, and it's like, nope, we don't get them either, and we pay right. pretty much as much as you guys do. So, <laughs> it's a, I think the world hop market's kind of it's a, in a little bit of a state at the moment, but I, I don't really know. It's kind of a tricky one, really. It's yeah, yeah very how, very hard. How for long, how long have you been brewing? Uh, personally, I've been brewing for 14 years. I've been brewing at Buxton for uh, two of those now. What uh, was your first brewing job? My first brewing job was in uh, in Liverpool at the Liverpool Brewing Company, which is was a tiny little sort of a five-barrel operation. Um, we were just brewing for the pub where, where we were. Um, and I, 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 sort of, I was head brewer there for three years. Um He's directing yeah. which beer we're going to Sorry. Go for it. Well, first, what's, the, what's the first beer we had? Because we're having the, so the, many. The beer we're drinking at the moment is Axe Edge, which is kind of our, our flagship IPA, really. It's 6.8%. It's uh, Citra Mosaic and Amarillo hops. Very nice. You know uh, he loves his beer because BR is about to pour the beer, and he's like directing her. You care, right? You, you really care about your beer, man. It comes Yeah, through. no, completely. I mean, that's the, the entire uh, basis of my job is caring how good the beer I drink is, which is uh, obviously a terrible chore. 
Uh, <laughs> I can't imagine my pain every day having to go in and like, oh, I've got to taste these beers now. It's going to be all right. So, so you're at Liverpool, and then where did you go after that? Then after there, I was at, uh, moving up to the Marble Brewery in Manchester. Um, when I, I was second brewer there for best part of nine years. Um, and they were they were quite a, I guess, kind of a big deal in the British brewing scene at the time. Um, I don't, inspiration to us, yeah. I, I yeah, I mean, uh, Marble were a big inspiration to me starting Magic Rock, really. There was only only a few guys at that time doing what they were doing, you know, uh, really hopping stuff really heavily, whether it be... Uh, there used to be a lot of hull hops used in dry hopping yeah. in cask, yeah, didn't yeah, they? But they were using T90s as well, pelletized hops, and, and they, they were getting really big, bold flavours out, out of the hops, but still really good drinkability, lots of sessionable beer... 3.9% beers with hopping rates the same as 7 8% IPAs, you know, and, and, and they've been doing that for, what, five, six years there? Yeah, yeah. Going back to, I started there, I guess, in, like, 2003, 2004. And so, yeah, going back that far, we, we were we were very, very hop-led brewery. We were really, really into, the, you know, the, the sort of hop expressions. Um, so, yeah, though, did, 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 did nine years out there, and... That was really, really fun. Then I, I moved up. I was uh, bringing Scotland for a couple of years at the Black Owl Brewery, who were a fully organic brewery. Um, I mean, you talk about difficulty getting hold of hops. You try brewing organic beer in the UK, and you, you're going to really struggle to, to get that sort of stuff started out. So I did a couple of years up there, and it was absolutely fantastic. Uh, a really, really great experience. But then got off the job at Buxton, and it was a, a really, yeah, a great move for me because it was kind of like the leash was finally let off. I mean, because I was second brewer at Marble, and then I was kind of limited by the organic status of the Black Isle Brewery. But when, when I got to move down to Buxton, it was kind of like, okay, all those beer ideas you've had for the last couple of years, it's time to just let loose with them and go for it. Peter, how, how did you, how did you find these guys? That's a good question. I was actually asking our uh, UK manager Kevin about this because uh, it was, but it turns out it was before both of our times that we hooked up with Buxton. Um, mm-hmm. I know for for Magic Rock, it's been a lot. Their more recent brewery, so it's only been about a year and a half. I mean, but you know, we've had a long history with British breweries. We've got Ridgeway, Ridgeway. Coniston, yeah. yeah. So uh, you know, there's a love for for British beers, which often are just, especially in the U.S., just they really fly under the radar. You know, some fantastic beers, and people just think they're boring. They think of uh, you know, Tim- oh, it's you a, have it's Timothy an Taylor, a landlord. <laughs> yeah, Chris, yeah, have they, you had that Timothy Taylor, the landlord? No. Yeah, they just it's think it's an beer. oxidized, oxidized, boring beer that's not too hoppy. Not you know, it's what people think of British beers. They think of British bitters and pale ales, which done well are fantastic, but it's it's hard to get traction. And so it's what, nice. what's the full Shelton Brothers UK portfolio? We just mentioned a couple of them, but uh, we've also and then we've got Adnams as well. Uh, we've been working with them, Timothy Taylor, fine ales, fine ales from Scotland, mm-hmm. exactly, yeah. and uh, Siren. Siren, yeah, Siren we mentioned before, um, and we also have some. Uh, oh, you've we, met we had, fa- Weird Beard, a new one out there. Fa- yeah, and fantastic cider makers as well. You know, you've, we've had Tom Oliver, yes. we've met Tom Oliver, and uh, some of our other cider makers. So you still have an um, amazing. There's a lot of stuff going on in UK. We got to go there and check it out, man. It's, it's, mean, cha- it's changed completely. It's, it's not the market it was three or four years ago. I don't think. No, not at all. The scene's almost been completely turned on its head over the last couple of years. Um, like guys like Magic Rock have really, really come through, and uh, you know. I mean, just five years ago, you guys were bringing in like Ridgeway, a cask, or a Conison Old Bluebird, you know, and and there wasn't much more than that. There was that was great beer, but um, I, I yeah, five I years no ago it was it was, it was I think five years ago it was primarily Ridgeway and Conison were our Dark, our Dark Star. We've done a few casts from Dark Star, but we don't we don't do them on a regular basis. Yeah, and uh, all right, man, this is cool. There's gonna be a lot going on in the show tonight. But number one, it's Gun Hill. Cheers to you guys. We won the gold medal at GABF. We got Yepe hosting a special event tonight at Taurus with some of these guys, and and uh, we got Colin from Buxton and Rich from Magic Rock. I love saying that. All right, we're we'll back in a few <laughs> minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right.
Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Here we are at Bushwick's and Roberta. We're talking about Bushwick's and Roberta. Listen to me, man. I could have too many foreign export stouts. It was like, Chris, what, you started us with, with your regular oatmeal stout and from Gun Hill, and then we had the Voidalite foreign export stout. And now we jumped over to England. We got, we got Buxton's. What is this? Is another like strong stout? Yeah, this is our Yellow Belly. It was part of the Rainbow Collaboration, so it's a it's an imperial stout uh, brewed for peanut butter and uh, biscuit flavor, but without any peanut butter or biscuits. So I said that we're at Bushwick's and Roberta's. <laughs> There's a new borough, Roberta's. It kind of is like that out here, you know. I mean, yeah, but you can, when we come out here, sometimes you bring out your family, you get your two sons, your wife, who names all your beers. Of course. Yeah, it's a good team. <laughs> we live close by, so, you know, it's always fun to, after we, we go on the radio, to bring the family out and have pizza, and I like this place a lot. So we've attained some good beers. So uh, tell me about your collaboration with these guys. I mean, uh, we actually have two of them right here. Um, the two we made with Buxton uh, about a month ago. So Colin and I had discussed it on email, and... Um, Actually came up with this idea of doing something extremely simple, doing an, uh, a one malt, one hop uh, beer. And since it was in, in England, I wanted to do a, a barley wine. And uh, we pretty much just tried and, and test the system as much as we could see how high we can go in alcohol with only adding malt. Um, it was a fun fun brew day and very simple. You know, brewing, one, brewing with one malt is not something you do that often, but it's fun to see how much you can get out of, out of very f- f- uh, few ingredients or so. Nice. And what's what's the next beer we're pouring? Br, it's a bearded ladies or something. Yeah, You're gonna have to ask Richard about that one. Come on, Richard, I just opened mic. it. So Guys, talk it to the microphone. Don't talk at all. It's on. our it's our bourbon barrel aged bearded lady. So bearded lady, obviously fitting in with the circus theme, is our imperial uh, stout. We and we we do that beer infrequently, but we do it. But this one we do seasonally, uh, annually, I guess. And depending on what bourbon barrels we can get, you know, it, it changes the character and stuff. We we um, try to get good ones. It's not that easy in the UK, really. I mean, we've got good cooperages in Scotland, and obviously they're using a lot of the bourbon, but we were talking about this earlier, me and Colin, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's very, very hard to come by, um, come by really, really good bourbon barrels. I guess the, UK, the US market's probably soaking up the majority of what comes out out there. Um, so we similarly have just done a, an Imperial Stout... Uh, that we're aging in a mix of Jim Beam, Jack Daniels barrels. Um, yeah, so you kind of you kind of got to get whatever you're given, really. When it comes out in the, in the UK, we need to get better at that stuff. You know, we need to plan ahead, you'd see what's available, get on it. We tend, yeah. you know, it's it's different. I'm, I'm not so sold on the the bourbon the barrel aging stuff. I I I don't know how you feel, Yepe and 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 Chris, but I I like just like like some some good basic beers, and I love specialty beers. But I feel like that, I feel like America was already doing that with the, with the barrel aging. So yeah, I, no, feel like, I don't know if you're going to gain anything by doing it. No, I, I, I think agree. it's going to find that people think it's it's too overpowering. I do agree with you to a point, but it's nice to kind of experiment with sort of strong flavors. And like like I was saying, the UK market's changed so much now that we're you know we're not trying to make boring brown beer anymore. Everyone's trying to make sort of you know tr- trying to integrate the biggest flavors they can while still sort of re- remaining uh, drinkable so yeah and, and you you've had sort of 10 15 years of bourbon county stout you know we've we, we've had it there but people haven't been introduced to it really so that so like now the new wave of beer drinkers are getting on stuff they're like wow that that's a lot of flavor you know so yeah. i i agree in some respects you know what we want is super drinkable beer we're not after crazy intense flavor too much but it, it's nice to do it sometimes well, it's a nice spirit. Chris, what about you? I agree with you, Jimmy, uh, to the extent that it can be very much overdone. A lot of them, the oak is very overpowering. And usually I do enjoy barrel aging beer. But typically when I do it, I like to cut it a little. Uh, you know, I'll age a certain quantity in the barrel and then blend it off with uh, virgin beer to achieve the desired level of oakiness and or whiskey or rum or whatever character you're gaining from the oak in order to achieve the desired level. And But uh, there is something to be said for the very demanding market for beers of this nature. Yep. I mean, yeah, I, I do barrel-aged beers, but my whole philosophy... <clears throat> For doing barrel aged beers, has always been if if I think it can improve the beer, I'll put in a barrel. If I don't think it can improve the beer, I won't. And when I see people put an imperial stout in a in a chardonnay barrel, I 
you know, it makes me think, is that only just to sell more beer and be able to charge more? Because it doesn't make a lot of sense for me to put an imperial stout in the Chardonnay barrel. But I actually do think um, the flavors of bourbon, for example, suits uh, suits an imperial stout well. I mean, we have a lot of the same flavors in the stout anyway. If you can just mm-hmm. enhance those flavors, it, it makes a lot of sense. And that's, you know, that's what I like to do. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree. You know, I mean, I think I think an imperial stout in bourbon's a no-brainer, really. It's like, it goes so well together. It just makes the beer into a dessert, really. You get the vanilla that, and the oak. really brings out the malt character. Uh, it softens everything out. Depending on how long you leave it, the quality of the bourbon it barrels is a real challenge for us in England. But, yeah, I mean, the, the results are generally good and, and they're generally positive for everyone. And I want to create a, a small amount of a buzz. You know, I know it's old old hat in the US to do that, to have an annual bourbon release, but it's it's kind of new in the UK and, and people dig it. So, well, One thing, it's, it, it's, it's old hat, but it's not. It's like last month, uh, Patrick Rue from the brewery in, in California was out here in New York, and he brought a bunch of beers that were 16 18% that were so drinkable. And I don't know what he did if they were sour mashed or something, but this, I mean, there's definitely people pushing it, and 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 there's good ones, right? I think, and we had discussed this earlier, uh, Colin and Richard and I, about um, a lot of times Americans they do it because they can, and it becomes a very one-dimensional beer. I mean, I had recently it was I believe a Belgian-style triple, aged in either Calvados or cognac barrel on cask, and it was just yeah. a sticky, sweet mess. It was terrible. I mean, it's just not what you want to drink. You need, I've, you need I've the had car- an IPA aged in a Lefroy barrel, and it was absolutely undrinkable and disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it's, it's all about the balance. And as Jeppe said, does does that help the beer? You know, is it something that's going to you know work on the flavors that are already in the beer and, and complement them? I mean, we work with Jolly Pumpkin, for example, and Ron ages everything in barrels, but he does it with a very subtle hand. So you've got, you know, acetobacters that are already in the wood, things that are going to work with the beer, not against it, to make it to something where you just not you just don't want to drink. I think we, we discussed this, BR, when we were at Brooklyn, and, and I said it a number of times this week, the most important thing for, for a brewer, as far as I'm concerned, definitely... Uh, as the owner of the breweries, I want people to have another one. You know, it's okay to be experimental, but the beer has to be super drinkable, and that's what that's what we're all trying to kill. You know, because it's easy to be wild and and be crazy with flavour, but it's not so easy to make things drinkable. And if someone wants another one, we've done it. You know, the one thing I've noticed is that. Uh uh, it, you say brewers do it because they can. It's actually becoming increasingly difficult to do. Acquiring the barrels is becoming increasingly expensive. Uh, we were able to procure, I have some of my void of light aging in barrels currently, and I have uh, two barrel, two rum barrels that I have it aging in. I have four uh, rye whiskey barrels and two other barrels that are of unknown origin. So I have the beer in three different types of barrels, and ultimately I will blend them all off together. But uh, at this point in time, uh, from my experience, the barrels are becoming increasingly expensive. The first time I aged my beer in barrels when I was working at Chelsea, I was able to acquire the barrels for $30 a piece. These barrels this time around cost one hundred and thirty-five dollars uh, per barrel or more. It was like, yeah. yeah. David, join in. This is kind of interesting. So you got the brewer and the owner here. How do you guys decide? You know, when when, when you've got a successful beer like the Void of Light, how do you decide to, to go to the next level? And what discussions do you guys have in terms of costs and things? In terms of the barrels, yeah. or just well, we sit down, Chris, Kieran, and myself, and we and we discuss. Um, we discuss everything together when it comes to that, but particularly with this, because we, we barrel-aged our first version of the Void of Light, the, the batch that we made that actually won the award, um, and, and that was partially due to space um, constrictions, which is why we barrel-aged the first version. And so that was incredibly popular both in the market and in our tasting room. And so when we knew we were going to make another batch after we won the award, the discussion wasn't so much as, are we going to do it again? But how much are we going to put into barrels, and when, can, where, and when can we get these barrels in? So that was sort of one of the things. After the the first version was so successful, that sort of led us to believe we had no choice but to do this again. Yeah, and then you you have the same kind of discussions at your brewery Rich? Uh, with regard to the barrels. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, I mean, it's it's uh, we were discussing it earlier today, weren't we? It's 
it really needs to be something we take a lot more seriously. You know, we've committed to doing a, a barrel aged bourbon beer every year, which which we discussed here is not not a new thing, but new for the UK. And we're always looking for barrels. We're we're a little bit hand tied at the moment because we're still in a small facility. We're just about to expand to a bigger one. We'll be able to expand the barrel barrel program once we're in the new facility. So overall, though, it, it's so important to pick good quality. You know, in the barrels, you know. You spend so much effort and time on making a good beer and tweaking the recipe and, like, you know, doing everything you can to make that beer the best it can. Then if you put it in some crappy barrels, you, you know, what what is the point, you know? You've got to look hard at the barrels as well. And, and it's increasingly difficult because all of us want the good barrels. So, and in the UK, we're sort of back of the queue, really. I mean, I guess they use first fill bourbon for scotch, so if we can get some... Uh, relationships going with uh, with the cooperage and the distilleries. Hopefully, we can get some good barrels. But we've we've been discussing trying to get in on a container full of yeah. of barrels and yeah. Yeah, tr- trying to get something. We're, we're, obviously, a lot of people in the UK really want to do it at the moment. So we're we're trying to sort of think that we can get a, a, almost like a collaboration of brewers together to buy a container of bourbon barrels in because, like I say, most of them get sucked up by the, by the US market, I guess, or then get soaked up by the Scotch market in Scotland. Um, and they're bringing so many in that if, you know, if we could filter some of what they're buying off them, then potentially it becomes easier for us to get hold of that sort of thing. Um, but just to just kind of dive back on a previous point, you know, um, I mean, the flavour of the spirit and the wood that you're using has to complement completely what the beer is all about I mean you, you can't just kind of like uh, Jeff was saying you, you can't just sort of throw something in a little Freud barrel and go yeah that's going to be great at the end of it you know it, mm-hmm. those flavours have to work together and an IPA and a big peaty smoky scotch is going to be it's going to be horrible mm-hmm. and how sort of a brewery doesn't see that with open eyes is, is a little bit painful um you know, like I've been working for the last couple of years on a project uh, where I'm trying to uh, develop a barley wine that I want to age in cognac barrels because those are complementary flavors. You know, those are things that will work together. And, uh, yeah, to, to do otherwise would just be foolish, really. Yeah. Yeppy. Yes. What's new with you, man? A lot of things are new. <laughs> I know. It's, 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 it's so weird having the show and not letting you talk too much. But No, it's all right. I mean, it's it's fun to listen to other people from time to time. But, you know, there's a lot of new things going on. Um, I just came down from Tampa, Florida. Um, this Sunday, I went down and, and brewed with my good friends at Cigar City and Seven Sun, which is a very small brewery um, in Dunedin or whatever it's called out there. Um, it, was, it was a fun time, and I've been wanting to brew with those guys for a long time, so... That is coming out. Um, it was like in Florida. It was in Florida, yeah. yeah and the I went state to of Florida. The in state America. of Florida, Tampa. And We're back in America. We went down to Florida. <laughs> exactly. And Davey's like, I know Florida, right? I'm actually, I'm actually off to Brazil again on Monday. I got invited to a big beer festival down in Brazil where I'm going to do like do some speeches and, and talks and stuff like that. So that's, that's exciting. All right, man. Well, this has been a good show. We, we had a lot of things going on, but I was really happy to have all the guests on. Um, we'll do a little sign-up. Special event's coming up tonight at Torst. What's the event, Yeppy? Uh, the event is the Rainbow Collaboration Project, where 14 brewers, seven from the UK and seven from outside of the UK, but in Europe, teamed up and made seven beers uh, inspired by the colors of the rainbow and uh, it was presented in Europe about a month ago and we were lucky enough to get a keg of each uh, through Shells That's a cool project and I can't believe I just heard about it. I mean... Yeah, we, we should give is a little... Is there a website or something? We should give a little shout out to Ryan probably from yeah. Siren here. He's such a creative guy. He's a very... Very friendly guy. Siren the Brewery. Yeah. But is there a website, BR, to learn about this, the Rainbow Project? I would just check out the Siren Brewing website. You know, Ryan unfortunately went straight from L.A. He went back home, so wasn't able to stop by and be at the event tonight. But he's the one who conceived of this idea. And quick wrap-up. So all these guys were at the Sheldon Brothers event, the festival. Yes. In L.A. last week. In L.A. Weekend. this uh, Saturday and Sunday. Yep. It was a good time. Along with Emilio Estevez. <laughs> <laughs> who, knew, who knew he liked good beer, but he does. Now how many brewers apparently. did you have at the... So you had the festival. The first year was what? Two years ago was Worcester, Worcester Massachusetts. Mass. Last year was Portland, Maine. And this we, year, L.A. We gave some love to the West Coast, and we've got to bring it back to the East Coast. We just can't... We can't do it West Coast again. <laughs> well, we missed you. But it was a good time for everybody, and that's why these guys are here, and this is amazing. It's fantastic yeah. to me, Great because weekend, the, the idea behind the festival is that 
it's not just some brewery rep or volunteer pouring the beers. It's like the brewers, the owners are there talking about their beer, and it's a very exciting experience for even the brewers who are like able to see all these people together in one spot as opposed to you know having to travel to other breweries. You know, collaborations are hatched there. And how about for you guys? I mean, for for Colin and, and Rich from UK, what what was your experience at the festival in Los Angeles? It was fantastic. I mean, we we, we were saying on the Friday night we had like a brewers get together and we all got together and had dinner and a couple of beers. And uh, we we said uh, <laughs> it was kind of a joke that a few of us were saying that uh, you know if a plane crashed in this venue right now, beer in the world would be a much much worse place. The uh, the collection of brewers who were there were really really wicked, and it was nice to kind of come over and you know touch base with some of our American uh, some of the American drinkers who may or may not have been uh, in contact with us before great to meet you and, and Rich um, yeah, I mean it was a thrill who wouldn't want to share an SM Pale Ale with Armand de Belder from Dryfontein because that, that's what happened on the Friday night you know we went back to the hotel and he gave of his time and I'm like wow this is amazing you know and Shelton Brothers do that they, they bring a lot of people together so it, it was superb all right, man. This is a great show. And then, uh, Chris and Davey, what's going on at Gone Hill Brewing? Any new beers coming out or special events coming up in New York City? I have uh, an Imperial IPA coming down the pike. I expect to probably have that out in the market in maybe about a week or so. It could be a little bit more, depending. Uh, that's uh, re- weighing in over 10% right now. And uh, it's very heavily hopped, and people can expect a hop bomb, nice, big, strong. You know, a great beer destination is, is it, what train goes up to Gun Hill? Uh, the, the five train and the two train. So you go all the way to the end, and then what, you have to you, walk? You go to Gun Hill Road, and then you get off, and it's about a uh, seven-block walk from the end of, from the train. And there's also a bus that takes you. And so when's the tasting They have a great tasting room. When's the tasting room open? Tasting room is open seven days a week. Uh, we open at 1 o'clock during the week and 12 o'clock on the weekends, and we're open till about 9 or 10 o'clock every night. I was up there this summer, man. It's, it's a great place. Worthy destination. So if you you guys are visiting New York, go up to Gun Hill, the, the brewing and the Gun Hill. So Gun Hill is an historical section too, right? It, like, it is. Um, the name Gun Hill Road actually comes from the Revolutionary War. Uh, during, during the war in Woodlawn Cemetery, there's a hill that the colonists took all their guns and ammunition and put it up on top of the hill, and they actually fired down on the British. Uh, and the British retreated on. Sorry, guys. They were they retreated on. <laughs> <laughs> they retreated on the road, and and the, the the road which was known as Kingsbridge Road became known as Gun Hill Road. Um, so there was it was it had very big significance during the Revolutionary War, which is where a lot of our branding and our imagery comes from. All right. Well, he wants to say something now. <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> but anyways, it's a great place. And again, it's a brave new frontier of all these awesome new breweries in New York City. You guys are taking big risks in these tough neighborhoods where there was nothing before you, and you're changing the landscape. So in closing, I'd like to thank our sponsors at greatbrewers.com who have helped to bring this podcast to you tonight. Hopefully I get everybody's name. Thanks to Chris, Dave, Rich, Colin, Yepe, Chris, and BR. Uh, for joining me here on the Heritage Radio Network, I'm Jimmy Carboni. Thanks to our producers, Maggie Seiden and Je- Justin Kennedy, and our engineer, Jack Ensley. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Beer Assassins Radio. All right. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.